it's just mixed messaging all the time. Yeah. And I know as a man, you're constantly getting hit with men need to man up. Where have all the good men gone? What happened to chivalry? This and this and this. And then two seconds later, it's like toxic masculinity yeah. and like this and this. And then with women, they're being pushed overt or covert feminism, not not just equal to a man, but like almost the, the same as a man. Mm. It, it's all trying to like shove women into the man box, yeah. right? Men are being told you need to you need to be more in touch with your masculine side, but you also need to be more in touch with your feminine side and women too. And yeah. I just think that millions and millions of people, whether or not that they're, they're able to articulate it in this way, they're growing up in that society and in that culture. It's in the media, it's in the movies, it's in the music, yeah. it's in everything. Welcome back to the Observation, Cape Town edition. I am here today with Zuby. But before we dive into the podcast, I wanna shout out to our sponsors, Cash App. The observation is powered by Cash App. When personal finance meets your funds and the stuff that matters, that's money, that's Cash App. Download the app, buy Bitcoin, not financial advice. All right. Uh, today we're here with Zuby. Zuby is an author, rapper, speaker. He has over a million followers on Twitter. And right now he's writing a book. Zuby, thank you so much for coming on the show. Happy to be here, Aubrey. Yeah. So, okay. Speaking of Bitcoin, which you're just talking about, um, I saw you tweet about Bitcoin the other day saying that you're stacking sats and uh, you don't care who knows it. And if you didn't like, you know, that you've been accumulating Bitcoin, AKA like that's basically what it means yeah. um, for quite some time now. Um, and you were saying that people get mad about that. People get mad about everything now, don't they? I mean, it doesn't matter what you do, what you say. If a certain number of people see it, then you're going to get some level of pushback or backlash and everyone's nose is up in everything and everyone's mad about everything and so many people have these hair trigger tempers and yeah. are scrolling through the internet you know as we record this there are millions of people around the world right now who are scrolling through social media looking for something to upset them looking for something to trigger them looking for something to react to and respond to and be outraged by so that they can uh, get that dopamine hit and it's uh it's not very healthy but um yeah i'm stacking my bitcoin <laughs> so how do you deal with that then? It's like, you know, you're obviously, everyone's free to do what they want with their own money. It's, that's how I feel, I'm a very free market person. Um, but you have people in, and you're just saying like, hey, I'm doing this, like I'm buying Bitcoin because you obviously believe in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. have done for a long time. I mean, um, I first got into Bitcoin in 2017 uh, properly. I'd heard about it for several years before that, but I'd never, 2017 is when I actually bothered to do some research and to really see what it was all about. And I was sold on the concept actually very quickly. I was not, not someone who took that long to see the value proposition of yeah. it and the upside potential. So I don't spend that much time talking about Bitcoin. I'm not like a you know quote unquote Bitcoin influencer, someone who's like, a yeah. lot of people in that world know me. Yeah. Um, but it's not the main thing that I talk about. And, but I think it's a, you know, it's an extraordinarily powerful technology. I think it's one of many things that is a potential solution for a lot of the problems that we're having in our countries and in our societies, not just locally, but honestly, all around the world. I think that actually when you are somewhere like South Africa, when you're actually in a more developing country, when you're in certain parts of South America, Africa, so on, 
I think the value proposition of something of Bitcoin. Not, I'm not going to say something like Bitcoin because there isn't really anything like Bitcoin. Mm. But the value proposition becomes more obvious to me, and I've noticed as I travel around. Actually, I see more Bitcoin ATMs and places selling Bitcoin and places accepting Bitcoin. I see that more in country I've seen it most in actually is Turkey, mm. which is interesting because they've had like 100% inflation rate or whatever it is. Um, Nigeria has you know tons of tons of bitcoin related activity um when i was in mexico mm. i saw i saw more i see more bitcoin related stuff in those countries than i see for example um in the uk or even in most parts of the us obviously there's a lot of bitcoin and crypto related people within the usa but in terms of actually kind of visibly seeing it in store windows and things like that um yeah you notice that more in places where Inflation isn't just this sort of like slow and quiet problem. It's something that they've been dealing with for decades on a massive level to the point that, I mean, the, the amount that currencies have been devalued, people don't even recognize it. Of course, everyone knows that everyone's financially aware, knows how much, you know, dollars, pounds, etc. have declined over the past century. But when you look at it even relatively, if you look at um, many... You know, if you look at the South African Rand, if you look at the Nigerian Naira, if you look at the Turkish Lira, whatever it is, even compared to the exchange rate, compared to the dollar, to the pound, and you just see how hard they've been pummeled over the decades. Um, some of them going from being close to parity to being, you know, 400 to one. Yeah. Uh, so in places like that, yeah, Bitcoin is volatile. One of the biggest pushbacks against Bitcoin is the volatility. Oh, how can it be a store of value if it can lose 60 to 80 percent of its value in, a, you know, dollar value in a year or in six months or whatever it is. But if you've got your fiat currency, which is <laughs> losing way, way, way more than that, then um, I, I think the upside is a lot more obvious in those situations. Yeah, um, it feels like also on. I mean, being here and just the purchasing power for my dollar when I go out and buy anything. I mean, yeah. honestly, quite frankly, I was looking at the menu at the spa, and it's like twelve bucks for a massage here. It's insane, and yeah. you, that would never be the price in America. And you just, if you don't get out of the United States, which most people in the United States sometimes just stay there their entire lives, mm -hmm. they don't ever see other economies and how they are. Uh, they just kind of get pummeled, yeah. you know, and there needs to be, in my opinion, like a, something global, a global currency that a government can't tap into, can't restrict from you. And, and in America right now, I feel like we're going through such a hard time. And you've been talking about America mm. a lot. And um, America is kind of going really hard on regulation right now on crypto generally. Mm -hmm. um, and it's almost stopping innovation where places like you mentioned, have Bitcoin ATMs, they're doing things like that, um, and mostly out of need. But the U.S., what, what do you think of the U.S. and, and, and what's happening? <laughs> I mean, it's a big topic, but yeah. like, I, you've been talking about it a lot. Like, I do, yeah. I, I do, and it comes from a lot of reasons. I mean, I love the USA, first of all. And I always have. I mean, when I was a kid, it's funny, I'm, you know, I'm British, but hearing my accent my whole life, most people actually think I'm American, yeah. whether I'm in the UK or Explain the that to us, because we, I don't, like, your whole, your whole mapping is so interesting. Yeah, sure. So I was born in England. Okay. When I was a baby, uh, my family moved to Saudi Arabia. My dad got an opportunity to work over there, 
And so whole family and myself and my four siblings, mom and dad, we all moved over to Saudi. I obviously don't remember the move because I was a baby, but so all my earliest childhood memories were in Saudi Arabia. I went to preschool there. I was in school there from kindergarten up until fifth grade. Um, and I went to an international school, which was based off the American system. So the reason why I actually have my accent is because in the community I lived in, most of, there were a lot of Americans. Uh, I was in the American school system, but most of my teachers were American. Um, people were from all over the world, but it was very much like a, where I grew up almost felt and looked like an American suburb. If you mm -hmm. can imagine like a suburb yeah. in Los Angeles or in Houston or whatever, yeah. that's what it really looked like and felt like. Um, and then when I was 11 years old, I went to boarding school. So I went to boarding school really early internationally. So I was still living in Saudi Arabia, but I was going to school in the UK. So from 11 to 17, I was a boarding school in the UK. Um, I did really well in school, got into Oxford University, studied computer science there, um, graduated when I was 20. That's also where my music career started. So I released my first album when I was still in university. And then um, I did music full time for one year, moved to London, worked in the corporate world for three years as a management consultant. And then in 2011, late 2011, I took the big plunge and uh, went full time with my music. So since 2011, I've been on this independent journey. Ever since then, it all just started with music. For the first eight years, I was anyone who'd heard of me from any time prior to 2019 would have just known me as a rapper because mm -hmm. I wasn't doing all the additional things that I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. And then in 2019, I started my podcast, Real Talk with Zuby, uh, wrote and released my first book, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. Um, started to grow very aggressively on social media, especially Twitter. Uh, had my first appearances on some real big podcasts, The Joe Rogan Experience. Uh, the Rubin Report, The Ben Shapiro Show, Candace Owens Show, appearances on BBC, Sky News, Fox News, all these things. It's also when 2019 is when like the USA discovered me. Um, <laughs> prior to that time, my biggest audience was always in the UK. Now my biggest audience globally is in the USA. Wow. Um, so there have been a lot of interesting changes over the last four years. Um, and now I'm at a stage where, you know, different people know me for different things. Um, there's people who still know me primarily as a rapper. There's people who know me as a podcaster. There's people who know me as a speaker. People who know me as a you know as a social media influencer or a Twitter Twitter troublemaker, or whatever it is. <laughs> Some people see me like as a political figure. Um, I don't know. I just do what I do. Uh, the the through line between everything is really about it positively inspiring and motivating other people. That's what I'm. That's what I'm all about. And if there's one word that actually really sums up what I do, it would be communicator. Mm. That's really what I do. If you think of the through line between music, podcasting, public speaking, coaching, uh, social media, writing books, it's all communication. Yeah. That's all it is. It's all using words to put out a message out there. Um, I do my best to uplift people, but not in a, not in a kind of like rah, rah. Everything is spiritual. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not in that way. And and being having it very rooted and based in reality. So as you know, yeah. I'm not I have no problem talking about the ills of the world. Yeah. Or the problems that I'm seeing in the USA or in the West in general or in this country or in that country. And I'm always traveling around all of them. So I'm I'm talking to thousands of people in real life, millions of people online. And I just maintain a pulse of where society and culture are going and I comment on that. And it turns out that millions of people around the world 
are interested in hearing what I have to say on all these different topics. So all I do is just share the thoughts that I'm already thinking. Like, you know, people are like, Azumi, what's your Twitter strategy? It's like, I don't, I don't have a strategy. I just say, I say what I'm thinking. That's it. Like, I don't, I don't schedule I don't schedule anything. I don't use any software, whatever. Yeah. I just, oh, I have a thought that crosses my mind and I think it's interesting or it's got some type of insight or it's even funny. I'm like, cool, let me just share that with people. And that's how I've grown my audience so significantly. Wow. So back to the U.S. and the U.S. has become your largest following and you've been kind of observing and visiting. Obviously, you've been to the U.S. quite a bit. But um, yeah, what do, what do you feel like we're, we're up against? It, do, it does yes. feel like there's multiple inflection points that the U.S. is sort of experiencing, yeah. maybe on social, maybe on technology. But what do you think? Yeah, I think the U.S.A. is an incredibly, incredibly amazing, impressive, and unique country. There's no country in the world that compares to the USA in many ways. Mm. I think that it's also a country which is experiencing a strange form of sociocultural and political uh, harakiri and mm. su suicide. Right. The, the greatest threat to the USA is not it's not China. It's not Russia. It's not the WEF. It's not whatever. It's 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 within. It's domestic. Mm. And that's what's so weird and disheartening about it. Right. It's like this country is disemboweling itself largely, I believe, because of a lack of perspective and gratitude. Mm. Right. If you don't understand that something is special and you don't have gratitude for it and you're not you know just thankful and you, then you under you undermine it you undermine it and that undermining can lead to self-destructive behavior mm -hmm. right so that's the thing that i really notice with the usa that's what's so disheartening about it it would kind of be easier if it's i don't know people who are in ukraine can be like oh like we're being invaded Right. Like there's an aggressor, there's a foreign nation, an army that's coming Very in. Clear. You and yeah. yeah. But with the U.S., like no one's invading the USA. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. It's it's psychological. Mm -hmm. It's generational. It's indoctrination. It's it's in schools. It's in universities. It's in the political system. It's people are being set against each other. Right. On every on every line that you can fracture a society, there is a culture war in the USA. Mm. There's a gender war. There's a fake racial war. Mm -hmm. There's a sexuality war. There's an ethnicity war. There's a rich versus poor war. There's a left versus right war. There's a religious versus non-religious war. Even within, even amongst, it's it's just every way you can play identity politics, the USA is playing it. And this is not new, right? It's somewhat in, you know, identity politics has been in the US for a long time, especially racial identity politics. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, and I comment on this often. I often say that humanity peaked in like the 1990s, yeah, 2000s, yeah, yeah. right? Like we, there was a point that was reached where it was like, oh, actually, cool. We've gotten past all of that historical nonsense and brutality and discrimination and unfair. Like, cool. We've created a society and a set of laws and everything where actually, yes, everyone does have equal human rights, mm -hmm. right? Whether you're a man, you're a woman, yeah. you're black, you're white, you're straight, you're gay, whatever. Yeah. We're not going to mistreat you. No, same laws, same rules apply yeah. to everybody. And then it was like within the 
past 10, 15 years, it was like, it was decided that no, this is not, this is not enough. And we need to go in the name of progress. We need to go backwards mm. and we need to start playing these games again. Mm. You see what I yeah, mean? It's like, it's so, so, so for example, t t take something like race relations. And this is even looked at, you can look at various polls that have happened, right? In 2023, people, or certainly in 2022, um, you know, the perception of race relations mm -hmm. is worse now than it was, say, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, right? If you went and polled people in 2005, yeah. You pull black people, you pull white people, you pull Asian people, whatever. Yeah. You say, oh, you know, what are your thoughts on race relations in the UK? How, how racist is the country? Like whatever, whatever the way you phrase it, yeah. the answers would have been, the numbers would have been lower of people saying, oh, racism is a big problem or that racial tensions are higher, whatever, then, than now. Yeah. And a lot of that is artificial, mm -hmm. right? Because the USA is not, it's not a more racist place than it was than it was 20 or 30 or whatever years ago. Yeah. But the perception is. Yes. And it's weird because there's this, there's this weird gap between online and reality, mm. online and the media and reality. So if you actually walk around New York City or Chicago or Austin or Nashville or whatever, you, it's like everyone's getting on, mm -hmm. right? You travel, you're not seeing this chaos and people having fights in the street over this and that democrats and republicans are out in the street fighting and yeah. these people it's like everyone's getting on pretty well I'm like okay <laughs> you, you know what i mean yeah. but then yeah. you go but then you go on twitter or whatever and you're like whoa like yeah. this is this is crazy what's going on here there's this and there's this and some of it is information overload some of it is intentional media bias some of it is the fact that human beings are we're naturally more wired to and sensitive to negativity than positivity. So if you get, um, you know, if you post this video on YouTube mm -hmm. and a hundred people leave a positive comment and one person leaves a nasty one. You remember that one. You remember the nasty one. Yeah. Right. If there's a billion interactions which go on, which is no problem. And then there's one where something goes wrong or it gets violent or whatever. That's the one that goes viral. That's the one that makes the news, right? By definition, normal day life does not make the news. Yeah. Right. So if you see a story, whether it's online or it's coming through traditional media, mm -hmm. um, by definition, it's an anomaly, right? It's not normal. Mm. It's not every day. You know, yeah. people are like, "This is happening every day. This is a, this is this." The people are there. This is a genocide. This is <laughs> like, what are you? No one's being genocide yeah. in the U.S. Like, stop. Like, what are you talking? Like, what bizarre world are you living in where you believe that there is a group in the U.S.A. that's facing a genocide? <laughs> like a genocide. I'm like, stop. You, but this is the rhetoric that people are using, even politicians, even yeah, people, you know, know. This, and, and it's, I've heard people say that, and I've heard people, and I've heard it claimed every direction. I've heard that there's a genocide on men. I've heard that there's a genocide on women. I've heard there's a genocide on straight people. I've heard there's a genocide on LGBTQ people. I've heard there's a genocide on black people. I've heard there's a genocide on white people. Right? I was, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, how is every, how is every, every demographic is somehow genocide? Yeah, like, and I'm like, and, and to use that level of language and rhetoric. Yeah, I'm like. I don't even think people should play with that type of language because no. it's like, yo, that, that's reserved. That's reserved. That, that, that's a real thing that has happened yes. in history, in various places, in various times where there is a group, there's an ethnicity, there's a racial group, there's whatever who you, people are trying to exterminate, like completely yeah. get rid of. It almost lessens the the experience of those people who actually it. went through it. It cheapens it, right? It's the same. It's part of the problem with how um, 
you know, obviously I'm, I'm critical of the basket of ideas people tend to call woke ideology. Yeah. And part of it is you know, what, because they also, they, they dilute terms. I call it label inflation, mm. right? So we all know what financial inflation is, yep. but there's also label inflation, right? So if you, if you call everything racist and everyone racist, mm. you dilute the meaning of the word. And you do this for years and years and years until it gets to the point where like someone says some, now if I hear some, you know, one of these weirdos online saying that like, you know, so-and-so is racist, I'm kind of like, does that, like, it normally means they, they just said something inconvenient or they said something they disagreed yeah. with or, or they, now, and then it didn't get enough. Now they call people white supremacists. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, that person's, they'll even call black people white supremacists. They'll, yeah. call, they'll call Jewish people Nazis. They'll call, and I'm, I'm just like, stop. Like yeah. this, because then if, if, if someone who actually holds that ideology yeah. is now coming around the corner or is now, you know, trying to rise to power or is starting a genuine hate group or what, what, what do you call them now? You called everyone else a white supremacist. Yeah. If the KKK really starts getting back together and is like recruiting, is like actually going around trying to, you know, do terrorist activities against black people or whatever, like, what, we don't have a name now for that. Like, is that, like, if I'm far right, yeah. What, what's that? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right? If you're calling me far right, yeah, then, yeah. then what's that ultra extreme uber super they'll, far they'll right? They'll come up with something. They'll come, I mean, you know what I mean? So yeah. people need to be very careful not to dilute the terminology. And I think people do it because, you know, obviously it scores quick political points. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lazy argument. But, um, you know, I just think people need to be a little more. I think something that ties this all together is just, you know, people just need to be more emotionally mature and just oh. act like adults rather than just. Children. But those dopamine hits, yeah. it's it's created an addiction of people wanting to get that cheap win at yeah. the expense of somebody else. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I feel like that's not going to go away anytime soon. But the other thing that I thought was really interesting about you talking about like the 90s and 2000s and how that was sort of, we had progressed people. I, I remember that era and I was like, that was a great sure. era. It was a great era. Great. And everyone was hopeful and there was, in, at least in the United States, that was my experience. Um, do you think that times have almost gotten too good? And there's that mm -hmm. quote that, you know, um, good times make weak men. We, let's just put weak people on it, you yeah. know? Do you think that is why mixed coupled with mm -hmm. a, a phone in your hand where you can just rip a tweet whenever and say something crazy and it doesn't matter if it's true or not you can just say he's a racist but what send and then that's my day or 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 you think it's a generational thing i think it's all the above it's definitely a factor um you know i, I think about this a lot and i think something one of the conclusions that's become obvious to me is that i think both individually and collectively um something that's clear to me is that the the optimum level of struggle or hardship is not zero Mm -hmm. Right. Um, a lot of people might think that, oh, what would a perfect world look like or what would a perfect life look like? Or if what would a happiest person, you know, and someone might think, you know, a life that's absent of any pain or sickness or death or tragedy or, you know, accidents or anything like that. But that's not true. That's not actually true. And, and something that's interesting is it's clear that in the absence of genuine adversity or problems people actually manufacture or imagine their own mm -hmm. right so if there isn't a real genuine struggle or problem right like people people make up their own you you see this even with the brain i guess just does it right for yeah you. yeah you 
I have a theory on this, and I have no idea if this is, um, you know, if there's been any peer-reviewed studies on this. Okay. I, I have a theory that each human being, we all have a, like a baseline. Look, we're, we're designed to survive. Mm -hmm. Every animal, primary instinct is self-preservation, survival. Yeah. Right. Most animals, most humans, whatever. There's always a natural threat. There's predators. There's weather. There's natural disasters. There's droughts. There's pestilence, disease, hmm. all sorts of things. Right. There's wars. There's violence. All through human history, it's really the story of people in all these different countries. What are like surviving? Hmm. Surviving. We got to fight this. We got to fight that. We got to fight that. We got to stay alive. And so it's only in the past under a century where even in, in Western countries, where people are generally like comfortable, mm. comfortable, right? There are very few people in the USA who are on the brink of starvation, yeah. right? In fact, it's the opposite problem. People are eating themselves to death. There's so much food and so much abundance. People are more likely to eat themselves to death than starve to death. Mm. That's a histor wow. historically, that's never happened before. Right? Wow, I, I, right, right. Think about it. It's like, damn. Think about it. Right. Yeah. Like, no, it's like true, yeah. no time in history wow. was where people eating themselves to like, there's so much food. We have so much wow. that we're now making ourselves physically sick. Yeah. We have so much information and so much tech and we're so that we're making ourselves mentally ill. Mm. Right. There's so, it, it's, it's, it's problems of surplus. If you look at developing countries, mm. the main problems are problems of lack. Right. Mm -hmm. There isn't enough. There is not enough clean water. There is not enough electricity to go around. There's not enough food to go around. There's not, there yeah. literally isn't enough. But then in the West, we've got the opposite problem. We have so much abundance that we're now, this is why even in, uh, you know, in like richer and more developing places, I believe, you know, there's much greater incident of mental health problems. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I, so coming back to my theory is I believe that because we're wired for survival, I think that every person has like a baseline level of, you could call it anxiety or nervous energy, mm. right? Because we're in survival mode, right? Mm. So there's some level of, yeah, let, let's call it anxiety. There's like a baseline level of it, mm -hmm. which I think continuously sort of rises unless it's dissipated. So you can, you can dissipate it in very positive ways. Go to the gym, exercise go for a run, build something with your hands, do something creative, write a book, create a podcast, have a great conversation. There's ways, there's positive, healthy ways that you can get rid of that energy. Exercise being the most obvious. And anyone who, whether you're a runner, you're a lifter, you're a power lifter, you're a crossfitter, whatever you do, everyone knows that actually after you do that, you, you feel good, you feel less stressed, you feel more peaceful. And people are more sedentary than ever. Mm. Right. So for most people, you don't need to, most men are not out hunting and building and fishing and yeah. fighting and doing all this stuff. Right. Yeah. Like our ancestors were, mm -hmm. they're sitting on a, at a desk and they're on a laptop. Right. Like we can make our living probably without like leaving a room if we wanted to. Yeah. Right. Again, unprecedented. This has never been the case before. So if you don't expel that anxiety, if you don't get rid of that energy, mm in a positive way, number one, it builds up inside you, which is why I think we're having all-time highs of people saying, I have anxiety, I'm depressed, I have mental health issues, I have whatever. Um, and it's not, you'll also notice that people like that don't tend to be expelling the energy in a good way, but you'll get rid of it somehow. 
So I think that when you go on Twitter and you're seeing people attacking each other, attacking strangers, going crazy on this, spiking on this, like, I'm like, you, this is their, their this is a very unhealthy manifestation mm. of getting rid yeah. of that energy. You're doing it in a self-destructive way, in a destructive way, you're attacking, 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 instead of being like, okay, let me, and, and I feel this in myself personally. Mm. So if I don't go to the gym, Right? Like I've been training for 20 years. Like yeah. I'm normally, if something causes me to not be able to train, right? When they, when they locked, had the hard third lockdown in the UK and they shut down all the gyms and they, for months, that was the first time in my life since I was 15 that I went more than a month without going to the gym. I was still exercising. I was still doing pushups. I was doing, I was still doing what in I could. Room or? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. still, I was still doing what I could. So yeah. I was still exercising. Okay. Most people weren't, I was still exercising, but like I was way more aggressive. Mm. I was way more like I'm a very calm, very, very calm person. Yeah. Right. And people should, you know, thank the gym for that because <laughs> I like, but like I'm calm because I go to the gym, like I'm constantly getting rid of, I'm active, I'm yeah. moving, I'm creating, I'm building, I'm writing, I'm exercising. So I'm constantly getting rid of that energy. More of it comes back every day. Get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. And I try my best to do it in constructive ways. Mm. But if you just sit there and you're sedentary and you're not doing that, it's still there. It's still building. It's still building. It's like, okay. Let me go on Twitter. I'm gonna get someone. Like, let me let me go flame someone. Let me go sit there for three hours and scream at people, scream into the abyss, whatever. And it's cathartic, right? You'll even get people who say, "Yeah, oh, it makes me like." And it's like, yeah, well, you're getting rid of that energy, but you're not doing it in a constructive way. And as we know, energy cannot be created nor destroyed, right? It's just trans. It just changes yeah. and transmutes. Um, so I think that that's a lot of the problem that we're that we're having. And so I, it's linked to sedentaryism because people are literally not physically moving their bodies. Um, and so many people are not engaging in positive habits and hobbies and activities that help to, um, expend that. So someone can, uh, some biologist can go and, uh, see how much validity there is to, 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 to that theory. But I think that's, uh, there's something to that. I did see something and, you know, I did see it on TikTok. So just, just more, but it was, <laughs> it was interesting. It, um, there was a guy on there who allegedly has a background in studying these types of things and said, basically, you know, he, he said, do you ever wonder why, you know, you look back at some of, uh, like older pictures of people and they almost look older at 18. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's like, well, there's a reason for that. It's because when you struggle, you actually produce stress hormones that makes you develop further into an adult sort of body. So equivalent to that would be how we've domesticated dogs, right? Dogs don't get their meals right there. They get, they get to eat, you know, they're not out there surviving, hunting for their food. And then it, as a result, you get a softer animal. Yeah. Well, and they're developing and dogs are developing allergies and stuff like exactly. that. Right? You've now got gluten intolerant dogs. I'm yeah. like, bro, like this is devolution. <laughs> Like, what do you mean your dog is gluten intolerant? <laughs> and I, I don't even, I'm not even on any, I take no medications. Yeah. Like I, like yeah. you believe fitness is the option for me. Mm. Um, that obviously I'm not saying that's a subscription or a prescription, sorry for everybody. Yeah. But um, anyways, but like, yeah, dogs and, and people and, and everything has gotten a lot softer. And that's mm. sort of been a recent phenomenon with maybe the past 20 years yes. or 30 years. And it's just... I mean, I think I personally feel it with, with men that I interact with. Okay. And I know you talk a little bit about, you know, masculinity. Um, and it, it's interesting too, just taking, taking, you know, asserting themselves in a situation or taking control mm. half the time it's, it's like on me, I'm like, uh, mm. something will happen. For example, uh, like 
something uh, unexpected happens and there needs to be a plan in, in a few minutes and, and they can't come up with it. It's, yeah. it's insane. They, they don't have, it's like that muscle never gets used. Mm. And I'm like, well, I guess I got to save Step the up. day for the both of us. Like what's going on here? It's just like a very, and I think that's really tough. I think you put out a tweet the other day. If I, um, I'm not mistaken about we're kind of just, there's like this single, maybe this wasn't you, but, or maybe I was just thinking yeah, about familyless kind of lost group of people mm -hmm. who aren't getting married, who are kind of just out there looking for identity, looking for purpose. Um, and I wonder if you could just kind of expand on that. Yeah, man, all these ideas are, are these are whole books right here. Um, Speaking of, so, is, that, is that what's gonna be in the book? What's the book? The, um, yeah, it's gonna cover a lot. The stuff I tweet about, it's okay. gonna be a massive expansion of it. Okay. So it's gonna cover a lot of different topics. But um, yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about like the masculinity and the, you know, the, the male-female dynamic, gender dynamics. So, Something that is happening, and I think something that's causing a lot of, well, something very obvious, like, is that there's a lot of identity crisis mm -hmm. going on. Like, people, a lot of millions of young people are literally confused about what gender they are. Even if they know their gender, what is their role? What's their purpose, right? And I think that there have been multiple factors in this, from the breakdown of family to the loss of traditional religion to changes in technology to like there's so many factors at play here. But I think that a big issue that's happened with younger people, um, let's say mid to younger millennials and Gen Z and, and, and below that, is boys and girls and young men and women are being bombarded, not just with a lot of information, but a lot of very mixed messaging, hmm. right? So if you're a young man or a boy, you are simultaneously being told that you need to man up, but also masculinity is toxic, but also we need masculinity but also masculinity doesn't really exist, but also gender is a social construct, but also women are strong and independent and don't need no man, mm -hmm. but also women are not strong and independent and need a man. Yeah. And all, like, like, before if you were a man or you were a woman, so pe people can say- Before if you were a man. Right, like, in, in the past, in the past. Look, look, if, in before the, you had genders. <laughs> look, in the, in the past. <laughs> If you were a, a, ma a male or a female growing up in society, mm -hmm. for most of human history, and still in most of the world, there's not much confusion or question about what your role in society is, right? For thousands of years of human history, okay, you're a boy, you're going to grow up to be a man, your role is to be a protector, be a provider, um, be, a, uh, be, a, be a patriarch, be the priest of your family, and you know you're a warrior. Your your role is here, mm -hmm. right? So whether this can manifest in a lot of different ways, you might literally be a warrior who's going out into battle, mm -hmm. or you might be a you know a, a doctor who's this. You might be a farmer or construction, what, whatever it is, right? If you're a woman, your primary role is in the home, right? Your number one role is having raising children, that next generation, the social aspects, even handling a lot of the finances and the resources and things like that, the social dimension, that's your role, mm -hmm. right? So 
And I'm not saying that this is perfect, right? No, no, no. But this is how it was. That's what it was. That's what yeah. it was, right? Yeah. So, so you weren't having in the 1800s and the even 19, there weren't boys growing up like, oh, what's my purpose as a man? Yeah. Right. And also, based on these simple dynamics, what you would do to even attract the partner of the other sex was obvious, mm. right? Yeah. So, oh, okay, I need to, I need to get a good job. I need to be mentally and physically strong. I need to do these things, and I will attract. Yeah. Uh, I will attract a woman, right? And a woman is looking for those things, and a man is looking for a woman who's going to be a good wife and good mother to his future children, and has these feminine qualities. Very clear, very simple. Everyone couples up, monogamous relationships. Boom, simple, clean. It yeah. works. Now, it's that still exists. All those dynamics, that biology still exists. Men are still attracted to the exact same things we've been attracted to since forever. Mm -hmm. Women are primarily still attracted to the same things they've been attracted to forever. However, due to all these political and social and technological and cultural changes, the, the messaging and the options have been so expanded that it's causing it's it's causing problems mm -hmm. right because women don't need men mm -hmm. in on an individual level on a societal level i women absolutely need men but on an individual level like you don't need a man to survive no okay if you were born 200 years ago you did yeah Right, <laughs> right. Like so, it's just it's just facts, right? Like you 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 can you don't you're and there's a there's an upside to that, mm. but also it means that a man is like, well, what do I even do? Yeah. Like before, you know, my dad or my granddad, yeah, he just needed to like have a shower every day, like brush his teeth, be somewhat clean, yeah. have a decent job and an income, and he could pretty much be guaranteed. Yeah. A decent wife. Yeah. Right. And his grandma probably, you know, she just needed to do like a few simple things and she's almost guaranteed a good husband who's yeah. going to look after her and, you know, they'll raise the kids together. And now it's like, oh boy, like, what do we do? So I, I think both men and women are having this, especially younger ones, are, are having this kind of confusion about like, well, like, what's my role? What do I do? Like, are men are men still are we still supposed to be the providers? Like, women still are attracted to that and yep. still say they want that, right? Mm -hmm. If you ask a, a young woman what qualities she wants in men, a lot of them will talk about you know ambition. A lot will say, oh, I'd like a man who even earns X amount of money, whatever. Um, but then at the same time, two seconds later, they'll be saying, I earn my own money. I'm strong. I'm independent. I don't actually need a man. Da da da. And so it's, like I said, it's just mixed messaging all the time. Yeah. And I know as a man, you're constantly getting hit with men need to man up. Where have all the good men gone? What happened to chivalry? This and this and this. And then two seconds later, it's like toxic masculinity yeah. and like this and this. And it's just like, what's going on? And then with women, they're being pushed, uh, you know, a lot of overt or covert feminism. Yeah. Right. You're not not just equal to a man but like almost the, the same as a man mm. and you should compete directly with men and there's a gender pay gap and we need to fight the patriarchy and we yeah. need to do this like it, it's all trying to like shove women into the man box yeah right men are being told you need to 
you need to be more in touch with your masculine side, but you also need to be more in touch with your feminine side. And women too, like you need to do this and you need to, and yeah. I just think that millions and millions of people, whether or not that they're, they're able to articulate it in this way, they're growing up in that society and in that culture. It's in the media, it's in the movies, it's in the music, yeah. it's in everything. And it's just, I think it's just deranging. Yeah. I think it's just deranging. And then on top of it all, you run the sort of latest version of the gender madness program, which is that gender is just a social construct. And actually men and women are social constructs and a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man and you can be neither, or you can make up your own gender. And anyone who questions that is a bigot and this, and, and I just think, boy, people are, a lot of people are just like, what is, what do I do? I, I think, know. yeah, I, I think if you're a young man, if you're an 18 year old man or woman right now, and you're just you know growing up in America or you're growing up in the UK or whatever, it's just so, it's so mixed up. Mm. It's so mixed up, right? Just on one, again, then, and then even, it's like, it's on, it's, it's amazing because it's on, it's on every level, right? It's like, even, even with both men and women, right? Uh, and then, you know, you've got things even like, you know, you've got hookup culture, you've got Tinder, you've got this, you've got this. It's like, you know, being promiscuous is empowering, right? You should sleep around with whoever you want and you should just do whatever you want. Just do whatever makes you feel happy in that moment. Just just do whatever you want. Anyone who judges you or criticizes you, like, they're all bad or whatever, mm -hmm. right? But then also you've still got the, there's this weird clash between this flip-flopping between the sort of traditional and conservative and the uber liberal and progressive and just you know do what thou willst but also not really it, it almost felt crazy because it almost feels like we've come back around and, and I, you can talk a little bit about this but yeah. um on the at least the okay i'm gonna be real honest yeah yeah i for transgender people uh, just how I'm with money, I'm like, if you want to go get a surgery and do what you want to do, go ahead. Mm -hmm. But you're not allowed to, like, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to play sports. Yeah. And, like, if you want to do that, like, I, I'm never going to tell. If the government well, you can play sports, me, just not men against women. Yeah, you're not, you're not, <laughs> yeah, like, you're not playing. You don't get everything, right? Yeah. It's almost an own, like, men are owning women. It's, like, so backwards, right? We were so, like, men are, you know, there, there was the, the, almost a 2016, if I had to, like, pick a time yes. period where people were, like, really like raw, raw, raw girl boss, like mm -hmm. kind of, you know, let's, let's find equality. Let's find parody. Okay. So like some, a man yeah. competing in a, in a female league team, whatever, and then winning it, mm -hmm. the thing, because let's be honest. And being celebrated for it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> it's so goofy. This is what I mean. It's, 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 un it's unbelievably goofy and it's incredibly misogynistic. That's what I'm saying. It's misogynistic. It's so misogynistic. Like, the idea that the left doesn't see, like, why doesn't the left see that? I, I get it, but like, why they don't? There's but, like, a lot they don't see, and I'm not even trying to be super like, partisan here. Back yeah. Around, like, men are now owning women mm -hmm. in women's sports. Yes, it's been it's been decided implicitly by our societies that men who feel like women or who want to cosplay as women must that their feelings take priority over the feelings and needs of actual women. And in the process, you are completely undermining all of the actual gender parrot, gender equality of opportunity and fairness that you had fought for all these decades to achieve. And it, to answer why, why people don't see it. Okay, here, here's, here's another one of my thoughts. 
And this is why I think that, you know, the, the quote unquote left, the, the progressive side of the left wing has gone off the hinges in the last, uh, especially over the past decade. I think it's because the more equal a society is in terms of laws and general fairness and social tolerance and all that genuine positive, those genuine positive liberal qualities, mm -hmm. the more the need for progressives or that wing of the left becomes, right? Again, go back to other times in history, even if you just look at the USA. There was always a group that you could make a clear-cut case, both legally and socially, was discriminated against, mm -hmm. right? Rewind 100 years ago to 1923, mm -hmm. okay? Where you have, you literally not everyone could vote, yep. right? If you are of this race, you cannot vote. Mm -hmm. If you are um, a, a woman, you cannot vote. Mm -hmm. If you are uh, this, this, this. And the actual, so this is what you know, people, people were being lynched. You know, there was re real racial violence. There was segregation. Hey, you can't drink at this water fountain yeah. if you're black. Hey, we're in South Africa right yeah. now. 19, 1994, right? No, you can't be at this beach, right? This interaction, no, I can't be here in this room with you because we have different yeah. skin colors. And that's not that long ago. So all, and on all these countries for all this time, like, the, the progressives, the liberals, had a, re had a genuine, genuine proper cause. Mm. Hey, no, we want, we want equal rights for everybody. We want, we want women to have equal rights for men. We want black people to have equal rights as white people. We don't want segregation. We yep. don't want unfair discrimination. We don't get, want people being beaten up in the street because of their gender, because of their race, because of their sexuality, because of all these. So all this progress was made in literally under a century, right? Incredible progress, civil rights movements, People became genuinely so much more tolerant and kind and decent towards each other. But then once you achieve that, what do you do? So you still have all these people, millions of people who they're, you know, they're activist minded. They want to fight for change. They're looking for the, you know, the oppressed class that they can lift up. They're looking for this end. I think they're just they're just misfiring right now. Yeah. Right. It's like they haven't just looked up and gone, hey, actually, we've hey, we've made some great progress over the past century. Right. So even the people who are there, you know, trans rights or human rights, tra trans rights, trans. What do people even mean? What rights do trans people not have? What are, yeah, what are they not right? getting? Do you remember the women's marches that were happening yes. when they were wearing the pink hats and whatever? Yes. What were what they marching for? Right, right. What, 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 and you, you interview them with like, women's rights. You're like, which, which ones? Like, what, what can what, I, what, what can I do? Yeah. I've never. My, I'm a woman. <laughs> I've lived my entire life, and I can't tell you anything that I was not able to do because mm. of my gender. Yeah. There was nothing that anyone told me, and I've, you know, I'm nearly thirty years old. I. That's a bit of time, and I've never been told you can't do this. Yeah, or a law that's just like, nope, women yeah. are not allowed in. If anything, I make more than most of my male friends, yeah. which is, you know. Mm, because the, we've, we've overcorrected. We've overcorrected. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I guess. Yeah, like, who's paying for dinner? Like, whatever. But you know what I mean? But it's, it's become that. Mm. And I honestly feel equal to 
this sounds weird because it's not correct because mm -hmm. I feel like I'm very feminine, mm -hmm. but I feel like I've taken on because of that movement yes. and because of that 2016 almost when, when I, I guess it was in the job market before that, but that's when it was happening mm. of being like, be a girl boss, equal pay. Mm equal pay i'm doing great like i have no complaints yeah. i'm i'm happy but i feel like i've almost taken on these masculine qualities that i actually never wanted mm. which is my kind of realization now but you can only see that now that that narrative was discussed yeah. for so many years and now you see the effects mm -hmm. right so whatever's being discussed now we will see we're seeing the effects a bit a bit more quickly with social media but you almost see the effects a few years down the line and the effect it has on society yes. so now that we have everyone is equal i think it's it's interesting that everyone's looking for equality and no one is fine with hey we just have differences mm -hmm. men and women are just different yeah. you do this thing it's still valuable it's a chapter we're, in my book we're equal is it yeah we're equal there's value, but people don't find, no, it makes me actually sad that people don't find value in the things that a woman is. Yeah. Oh, Aubrey, just, you're nailing it. You're nailing it. There's so many things you said that, that are so interesting. And you know what? This is actually one of my greatest criticisms of modern so-called feminism mm -hmm. is because I believe what it does and what it's doing is it actually takes the masculine standards as the standard, right? And Explain it, that a little bit. What I mean is that the goals of feminism are always aspiring toward, it was aspiring towards masculinity. Yeah. It was almost like we want women to be more like men. We want women to be able to do all these things that men do. We want women to do them and to be in those spaces. When people are complaining about the lack of female CEOs or the lack of women in uh, this industry or in that industry or whatever, mm -hmm. you're, you're saying you want, you want more men, you want women to go into these male dominated fields and to compete and to have the same desires and wants and therefore outcomes that men do. Mm -hmm. Very few, there, there are probably 10 times more men who even want to be the CEO of a company yeah. than women. Just like there's 10 times, 100 times more men who want to be plumbers, electricians, mechanics, uh, construction workers. There's so many fields, right? So the, the, the thing isn't, oh, we need to, we, we need genuine sort of fairness and equality of opportunity for women. It, it went past that. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, we need to shove women into this masculine framing it's this constant comparison between the genders on like a competitive level mm -hmm. right why should so so someone will come and say and, and this is also where people start framing every disparity as a problem mm -hmm. right so obviously the so-called gender pay gap that's been debunked forever yeah but even the framing of it as a problem if, if it turns, if you take all this male salaries and all the female salaries, whatever, and uh, men's earn, I don't know, 30% more. Yeah. I'm like, so what's wrong with that? Yeah. Why, why, why is that inherently a problem? If this field is 90% male and 10% female, why is that inherently a problem? So people are trying to fix problems that don't exist. Mm. And anyone who fundamentally understands that men and women are different mm -hmm. and have different proclivities and have different interests and have different aspirations. Um, and, and what's really funny about it is 
you can inverse all of these things, right? So all these narratives that are used to make it that, you know, women are you know, the, the victims and that they're oppressed by men or there's male privilege and this and that, you can inverse, you can invert all of them to sell the case that it's men mm. who are oppressed and men who are victimized, right? So who spends more time at work? Men. Mm. Who make up 90% plus of workplace deaths? Men. Who are way more likely to commit suicide? Men. Who are more likely to be homeless? Men who live on average three to five years less, right? Can you remember, if women died five years earlier than men on average, do you know, we'd never hear the end of the gender life expectancy gap. No one gives a crap that men die five years earlier than women. Like, it's not even, it's not, no, 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 if it were the other way around, if women were dying earlier than men, we would never hear the end of it. Yes. Oh my gosh, people think you hear a lot about gender pay gap. And so the, this, this is the thing, and by the way, there's many reasons why men die more early than women. They just go on YouTube and watch any video of someone doing something stupid and dangerous, guarantee you it's a man, right? Um, and also testosterone has effects which, which can harm people, but it's just this very lopsided thing. Here's another thing that's interesting. You probably know this. Um, who controls majority of consumer spending? Who spends more money? Women spend more money than men. Yeah. So men earn more money and women spend more. Yeah. Who has the power there? Right. If you're going to play that game, would you rather be earning more money? Would you rather spend the money? Right. <laughs> you see what I mean? But you, they, they never turn the narrative that way because it all has to sort of maintain this very specific structure of the identity politics and the grievance narratives and so on. And the truth is, ultimately, is look, men and women are not meant to directly be in competition on everything. Yeah. We are designed. We exist to be complementary. Mm. Right. The strengths that men on average have um, are the thing are often things that um, women uh, lack or not are not as strong at the things that women are incredibly good at and generally we all know there are things that men are generally better at than women yeah there are things women are generally better at than men it's supposed to be like that because yeah. we have two sexes mm -hmm. trigger some people and we're designed to be complementary both exist a 50 50 split within the population that's not an accident yeah and so when you put them together you get a whole yeah right when you have a man you have a woman you have a husband you have a wife you have a father you have a mother they play different roles but together they're stronger than they would be alone and so people have been like brainwashed mm. so many men have been brainwashed to think you have to compete with women and women are the enemy women have been brainwashed to think you have to compete with men men are the men are the enemy men are out to get them you know the mm. patriarchy is meeting every tuesday at three to like find out how to put the boot down on those broads and, it, and it's just it's just nuts to me i'm just like why why is this why is there so much tension and hostility and i, I part i know part of the answer and some of that is also from previous generations, mm. right? Sadly, especially in the USA, you know, sadly, millions and millions of people have grown up seeing dysfunction and seeing their parents or their friends' parents or other people they know have bad relationships or the father, you know, if someone, I'm not going to knock any, any woman who grew up in a situation where, you know, her, their, their father left or the, the dad was absent or the dad was a of course she's going to be drawn to the idea of not relying on a man and being strong and being independent and having her own because she saw well my mom yeah. tried to rely on a man and look what happened mm. right so i'm I, I can totally logically get where yeah. these ideas come and when you multiply that by millions of people with those experiences 
then you end up in this situation where women are more distrustful of men, men are more distrustful of women, and you get this sort of cycle that can kind of go around in a community where it just becomes this weird, you know, battle of the sexes rather than yeah. being like, hey, we're different. Cool. Not only is that okay, that is good. Yeah. I, if, if women were the same as men, yeah. we wouldn't be attracted to them. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. Right. If, some if, people would. Like, 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 I, I, I don't know. I don't know your taste no. exactly, Aubrey. But I imagine, well. I, I imagine that like your ideal man is not yeah. someone who is just like your female friends, right? I imagine yeah. you'd. Ra I, th I think you'd probably I, be quite repulsed by a man who literally behaves exactly like a woman. Yes. Right. You be, oh, yeah, you're yeah. like, yeah, yeah, like no. Yeah. Right. So. That, that, and that's that's just how it is. It's not a problem. It's literally how we got this far. Like we, our species would have ceased to exist a long time ago if there wasn't this healthy polarity. Yeah, I um, I think some interesting things you said. There's so many things. Um, one, I think it's interesting being in a space that is financial tech. Right. Mm. Uh, you have two industries that are dominated by men yeah. naturally. And every time I get asked, there's always, they always throw this question when I do interviews. They're like, you know. <laughs> How do we get more women into fintech, Bitcoin, crypto, whatever? And I'm like, people will come if they're interested. Yeah. It's not about how do we get more people in, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. I would hope that everyone likes money, right? Mm -hmm. You like, you know, you want to invest. I think people will naturally come at if they are interested. I'm not, I don't feel this need to mm. herd people in by the masses when it, when it resonates with them on a human level. And that takes a little bit different approach for women mm -hmm. than it does for men. Men sometimes just like a technical approach mm -hmm. and they're like, this is great. Yeah. I, I get it. understand it. Some women are like that too, mm -hmm. but some women need a more tangible spending. Maybe, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's more retailers are offered. Mm -hmm. They come in a different wave, but it's not the same. It's not a cookie cutter approach no. for every single person. And I just hate that question, number one, every time I'm on these things. It's like, we're just different. We're, different. we're just different. And I've always been okay with that. Yeah. It's never made me feel like I was inferior or, or something. Yeah. I, and then the other thing that I think is interesting there, um, we do have to acknowledge, I think on some level that, you know, a woman's greatest threat sometimes um, can be their significant other. If we're talking oh, about like course, domestic yeah. abuse. And, and that's never going to be fair or equal. Men are built bigger yep. than women. Yep. And and yeah, men can be an actual physical threat to women. And mm -hmm. like you like you mentioned, always, people- It's always been the case. And it's always going to be a threat. Yep. They have the strength to do that. Mm. And I don't think that ever leaves anyone in a comfortable feeling. Like there's no resolution to that at the end of the day. Men aren't going- hopefully not to get smaller. Yes. And yeah, I mean, thankfully women can now make enough money before they couldn't have their own bank account. Mm -hmm. They couldn't, you know, they needed to get it in their husband's name. Yeah. Now they can do that. They can leave. I know there's obviously other variables. I'm never going to judge anyone's situation of, of leaving a situation of domestic abuse, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to call that one out. Just oh, absolutely. That we're yeah, 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 absolutely. And and this is where virtue is important. Yeah. Right. And um, this is that's such a deep. This this leads down another whole deep rabbit hole. But you know, what is the bulwark against violent, psychopathic, aggressive criminal men? It is strong, virtuous, kind, caring, compassionate men. Mm -hmm. Right. Those are the only people who can stop them. Mm -hmm. Right. It can be like 
weak men who they can run roughshod. Like you, you need. So I think something that you you touch on such an interesting man. You hit so many interesting points. Like there's so many directions. There's so many directions you can go for. So. Okay, here's a, here's a point, and I'm not going to make this as eloquently as someone like, I guess, Jordan Peterson could. But male strength is, I, I've said before, that I believe men are always building or destroying. Okay. Men are always building or destroying. If you look around the room, if you look around the city, if you look around the world, almost everything you see that like physically exists was made by men. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Buildings, skyscrapers, boats, cars, appliances, electronics. Most of it is made by men. Mm -hmm. uh, civilizations, cities, all of it. Um, also, if you look in history or you just look around the world and you look at destruction, destructive behavior, raising of villages, murder, rape, assault, war, shootings, yeah. whatever it is, 90% plus men. Right? So men are always building or destroying. If a man is not involved in a positive, constructive activity or activities, mm. guaranteed he's going to be destroying something. He's going to be destroying another man's project. He's going to be attacking people in real life or online. He's going to be destroying himself. He's going to be poisoning himself with alcohol or with substances. He might even go to the point of trying to terminate his own life if things get really, really bad, mm. right? So men, it's so important that men are involved in something positive and creative because we do have testosterone, right? I have probably 20 times yeah. plus the amount of testosterone that you do, like coursing through all my veins, yeah. right? And I have to, again, channel that towards things that are positive and virtuous and good because that same energy can be taken and used for destruction. That's gang activity, that's terrorism, that's uh, criminal, that's all of that stuff. That's like, you know, I hate the term toxic masculinity, but if that term is going to be used, that's what it is. It's, it's a negative and destructive manifestation of that testosterone and male energy and aggression and muscle and capacity for violence. Every man, we, I have great capacity for violence, mm. incredible capacity for destruction, right? Like I'm a strong, I'm physically strong. I'm big. I'm in, I'm in good health. Like I have the physical power to like break stuff. Yeah. Right. And so what makes a man actually healthy and moral and virtuous is you have that you have that power, but it's under, it's under control, mm. right? I think Jordan Peterson said something like, you know, you're a monster, but it's under control, mm. yeah. right? You yeah. know, a, man, a virtuous man isn't a man who's just weak and has no capacity to do anything. It's like, no, you have the capacity to do a lot of things. You have that power, you know, with your mind, with your words, with your physical capabilities, but it's under control and it's being used towards something positive, something good, um, towards protection, towards provision, towards teaching, all of those type of things. So I think that's where... That's where that comes into play. And I think that both society and some individuals, both women and both men and women alike, they're based on their own personal experiences mm -hmm. or perhaps their own lack of calibration. They may struggle to differentiate between, let's say, um, male competence and male threat. Do you see what I mean? Mm. So I think one reason why so many, you know, why there's this crisis of masculinity is because, because men have this destructive potential, any form of male strength or competence is conflated 
with that aggression or violence or destruction or something. So when someone sees like a big strong man, you know, say a man who's like physically strong, right? There can be this negative connotation that he's somehow, uh, you know, he's violent, right. he's a thug or he's this or he's this and he's that because you can see the potential yeah. for, for power, right? When you yeah. see a strong man, like you're like, whoa, like that guy could hurt someone, mm -hmm. right? And some people can't then differentiate. It's like, okay, so therefore he's a threat because there's that potential. Mm. And I think perhaps, I'm going. I'm, I'm psychoanalyzing some people here, but perhaps there are there are people who they just see that. So any any form of male competence they see as a threat. Mm. You see what I mean? Yeah. So they're almost like trying to neuter men to to eliminate to not, this threat, not realizing that actually if you make men weak, what yeah. was that saying you brought up earlier? Right, weak men create bad times. Yeah, and I would argue actually that weak men are a much greater threat to a society than strong men. Mm. Right? Yeah. Because men who are weak, that can manifest in far more destructive ways. Like you're much better having men who are strong and competent, but virtuous. Yeah. Right? So they'll, cool. Like that's the type of, that's actually the type of man a woman wants. Yeah. A woman generally would want a guy, he's, he's, he's masculine and he's frame, he's solid, you can rely on him. He's physically strong, he'll protect you but he's not going to, right? So, so what, where's that line between someone being able to determine, okay, there's that, but, but is, he, is he virtuous? Because if not, if, if a guy is that competent and that strong and capable, but he's not, but he's not virtuous, yeah. uh-oh, like that's, that's the problem. right? That, that's trouble, that's, yeah. that's, that's real trouble. And in fact, the more competent he is and the stronger he is, the more if, he, he's not, yeah. if he's not, if he's not virtuous, then whoa, like that's, very, very destructive. Yeah. And so I think some people can't see the difference, so they just try to neuter. Mm, that's deep. Mm. That's deep. Um, that's super interesting. Um, there's so many interesting things. I, like, I feel like I can go off a different route. You can. Well, one thing I did like that you said was, um, you know, I grew up Catholic, so mm. it. Uh, we talked about this quite a bit. People like to say, or society likes to say, you know, like everyone's an animal, which we are, but we have discernment. We I mean, we can make decisions. We have. That no one likes to hear that this because they want to be like, well, I'm just I just these are the impulses I have and I have to just go off that I'm hungry. So I eat. I want to I feel horny. So I have sex. I do this because I feel this. And it's like, no, you could actually just be like, I feel like fasting mm. or I feel like abstinent. But like no one. No, that, that never sells. That's boring. It's, it's not what people are interested in doing. It's also the it also, you know, we live in, you know, we're both capitalists. We like capitalism. But, um, you know, capitalism does have potential downsides when it's unrestrained, right? Because mm. if things are profit-driven, there's a word you said there, fasting, mm. right? There's nothing less profitable than fasting. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the fast is, right? The last thing, the last thing that the food industry and <laughs> the big so pharma true. and like all these, yeah. the last thing they want is people not eating, right? Yeah. Like that's the worst, right? The, they don't want, they want, everything's driven on consumerism, mm -hmm. right? If people like tighten their spending and are really careful with their budget and they're not blowing stuff on credit cards and going to debt or whatever. And they're like, you know, I'm going to be very sensible with my spending. The, that's not good for the system. That's not yeah. good for the shops. That's not good for the retailers. That's not good for the people trying to sell you, uh, you know, sell you a car that you can't really afford or a house that you can't really afford, whatever. It's not good if people tighten their belts in that way. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's part of the problem is yeah. that the incentive structure is just kind of broken. Totally awesome. There's so much stuff that you can view. Just the, the truth is, all human behavior, most human behavior, is just driven off incentives. Yeah. Right. So if you create the right incentives and you incentivize good and positive 
things, you tend to get more of it. If you disincentivize that, you get less. Or if you incentivize bad behavior, you get more, you get more bad behavior, right? And this is something that's um, a problem across politics, across social, across culture, across business, whatever it is. If there is a perverse incentive, right? You know, look, look, in, look, in, the, look in the crypto world, look in the finance world, right? If there is a, an easy way to make money that you might be able to get away with at least for some time, and you could make like millions or even billions, um, and there, that incentive is there, and you know, maybe there's a chance you get caught, like some people are gonna, are, are, are gonna, gonna do it, right? because there, there's that incentive there, and the incentive is massive. If you, if you have a situation where you, know, you have certain, say, welfare programs, mm. which are not done well, and it becomes, you can have these weird situations where someone is literally better off financially not working yeah. than they are working. Yeah. A rational People person will it. choose to not work. Like if I'm going to be punished for working, yeah. why would I work? Yeah. Right? Yeah. If, I, if I'm going to be punished for doing this thing, why would I do it? And I think we have a lot of broken incentives yeah. right now. So people are kind of being incentivized and influenced in, in bad ways that we don't necessarily notice. Yeah, I just don't think people have morals anymore, really. But it, it, I, I go back and forth on that because I was debating my friend the other day and I was saying it's sort of the same uh, different people, different, you know, mediums perhaps, mm -hmm. but the same issues, greed, all these things kind of come back in a different way or, you know, violence and uh, it just, it just reinvents itself. At least I'm talking about the crypt crypto space, the mm. green. It's, is it down, is it different than like Judas betraying Jesus for a bag of money back in the day? It's, it's, the, it's the same thing. We've been doing this forever. It's just different people learning the lessons, honestly. Mm. But one thing I did want to talk about kind of moving into AI now um, okay. is you, you said a little bit about like, if men don't have anything to do, and let's just talk about people generally having nothing to do, um, then that that can be dangerous. People need purpose, they need identity. And so I was talking actually with a different friend the other day and was saying, I predict, I don't want this to happen. Yeah. I predict that when people get laid off, there will be an uptick in violence because a lot of times when people are lost, and this is not, this is like statistically proven yes. that when people don't have work, violence increases. Mm -hmm. And we got in kind of an argument about that. He's like, well, don't, AI is great. It's like, you're not embracing it. I was like, I'm just, I'm just saying facts here. Like, yeah. people, I think there'll be a violence uptick if people don't have a job. Yes. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll just, I think potentially with AI, we could get a world where the US is just like how Norway is, they're just paying people to live. And I don't know if that's gonna happen here. I would love to hear your thoughts on AI, what you think is coming, if you think it's you know a threat. I saw you tweet out the, the Jay-Z thing, yeah. um, which was <laughs> wild. Jay-Z basically like a, an AI version of a Jay-Z song and you were like, this sounds like Jay-Z. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I think AI is a, I'm very, um, I'm extraordinarily skeptical about it. I, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a net positive. And I'm one of the most optimistic people out there. Yeah. I struggle to see how this is going to be a net positive for humanity. And you know, I think a problem we're having now, again, which is accelerating, is, you know, just because something, this is true on so many levels. Like we're seeing this with so many things happening. Is just because you can do something doesn't mean you should, right? 
on an individual level and on a societal level, on a technological level, just because you can create, in theory, a technology that does something, you know, we, we need to sometimes, sometimes take a step back and think, why, like, why are we doing this? How does this benefit humanity? Because we shouldn't be... Humanity should rule over technology. Technology should exist to better humanity. Technology shouldn't be um, a false idol or a false god, which then rules over humanity. Do you see what I mean? And I think we're potentially reaching this inflection point. People are so keen to just pursue every type of science and technology so aggressively and do all these things. Like the other day I was hearing, you know, I don't know if you've heard about this, they're, they're, they're toying with the idea and, you know, putting out there seriously, looking into doing like womb transplants, Oh my God. right? So that a man can potentially give birth, right? Again, what, firstly, what problem are you trying to solve? <laughs> Right. Since when is it a problem? It's so selfish, though. It's not even about the baby. It's about the person wanting to carry it. What about the health of the child? Yeah, I mean, if it's even possible, like it might, maybe it won't. I imagine there's going to be a lot of brutality and horror in even attempting to do this. But it's like, why? Right? Just because, say you can, but it's like, should, should you? you? Should yeah. you? Right? If you can make an AI that renders all human jobs and labor and work and careers obsolete. Mm. If you could create that, should you? Mm. Like, why? Right? Why, why would you? And some people are like, oh, well, it's going to happen anyway. It's going to happen. And it's, well, it's only going to happen anyway, because everyone's saying it's going to happen anyway. You, 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 you kind of see what I mean? I'm like, we are the, not, not necessarily us, but us as human beings, we are the arbiters of technology, yeah. right? If a technology does not serve us because and is, the, is a net negative, yeah. why create it and implement it and put it out there everywhere. Do you see, you, got, you kind of see what I mean? So this is why where when it comes to AI in particularly, um, it, it, to me, it's very different to previous technologies. Mm. Most previous technologies, it was like, okay, well, you know, people are spending a lot of time, uh, you know, sweeping floors or like, so let, let's invent a vacuum cleaner. Let's invent a labor saving devices. Mm. Right. Let's make it faster to get from point A to point B. Right. Let's have a car instead of a horse and carriage. Let's have airplanes. Let's have all this. But with this one, it's like, well, you know, some degree of AI obviously is potentially useful and helpful. Right. Us assisting people with their jobs. Right. If you can have some you're doing a surgery and you can have some type of thing that makes the surgery safer using a type of AI or even, you know, running a search online or something like that. But when it gets to the point of just like replacing mm. like literally replacing human beings replacing jobs right uh instead of taxi drivers and truckers and all that you just have, oh, it's all just self-driving vehicles right instead of having any cashiers or bank tellers or people working in stores or whatever it's just it's just all ai you just walk in and you take you know you're a doctor you're a rapper you're an author you're whatever we don't need to no no more authors right every book is just written by chat gpt point <laughs> like and humans just become obsolete i'm like that's awful because people often forget that and there are people you know who are advocates of say something like universal basic income and they say oh you know let's just you know everyone can just have ubi and whatever kumbaya and the purpose of work is not just to make money I think this is where people get so lost in sort of materialism and consumerism that they forget the purpose of work is not is not just money. 
right? That's where it's something that gives, it gives you purpose. It gives you meaning. It lets you know that you're a valued member of community. Like everything, whatever job you do, whatever job or career you have, mm-hmm. even if you don't love it, it's like you, you are providing by definition some type of valuable service or product to your fellow human beings, right? You're a valued member of society. The whole economy, yeah. everyone working, trading, exchanging our time, exchanging our money, that whole ecosystem, which has existed forever, it gives people meaning, purpose, direction, a reason to wake up in the morning. Um, you know, if you just, if someone just paid you, however much money you earn, if, if, if you could just sit at home and you, you just got paid that amount, right? Mm-hmm. So your, 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 your earnings are the same, yeah. but you're not doing the labor. You're not doing the work. You're not doing anything to do it. Like that's, that's a problem, yeah. right? Firstly, the money's not tied to anything. So even people's concept of money and yeah. value and everything deteriorates, but it's like, well, everyone's just useless. And some people say, oh, well, you know, people will create art and people will spend more time. It's like, no, they won't. In fact, we, we had an experiment. We had an experiment. We literally, right? We, we had an experiment. This was tested out. This was tested out. If you give people tons of free time and you let all those millions of people who before were working jobs and now they're just sitting at home, whatever, like how much art came out of it? Like how many people wrote books? How many people actually started a podcast? How many, people didn't do anything. The, the people who were already creative and active, yeah. like created more yeah. and were more, but the people who weren't didn't. People yeah. just lazed around and got fatter yeah. and ate trash. Even domestic violence went up. Yeah. Right? Like all these mental health problems went up. Overdoses went up. All of these things. So like I said, if, if that energy is not being expended, it turns destructive. It, tur- it yeah. turns inward. Yeah. Right? Now you're just, people are just jacked up. People are more anxious. And then you're peddling fear porn everywhere. So these people are just jacked up. They're just sitting at home for weeks, months on end. Like not going outside. Literally not going outside. Yeah. Not socially gathering, not going to any parties or social events, not uh, going to work, not doing any, this is a recipe for disaster. Like anyone who has even a, you don't need to read a study for everything. Yeah. Right. I don't. Just use logic. Just Just use logic. Right. I know that, I know that if someone's already being punished for a crime and they're in prison Mm -hmm. and they really want to extra punish them, what do they do? Solitary confinement. Right. Right, you 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 like you so right. You, you you put someone, you isolate people. Yeah. We're social creatures. Yeah. People go nuts. People, yeah. It's it's horrible. Yeah. Like being being isolated. We need other purpose. people. Yeah. We need other people. We need meaning. We need purpose. We need work. We have to do labor. We have to exercise. We have to. It's. But it's, to argue the point you were yeah. saying earlier, like, and and I know you were kind of making fun of it. If you mm. flipped it around for men, men are the ones that are working the most, right? They're yeah. like, if we wanted to make that a problem, men are the ones that are going. I I do think, hopefully, there would still be men would maybe still be that part of the workforce who are the plumbers who are building rooms mm. like this. Even in an AI world, you're going to need physical workers. But I don't know. Robotics. Would, Once robotics and AI combine. Really, that would be really scary. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it can happen. If, yeah. Again, if that's where they want to push it, Yeah. they can. Like, like two years ago, Yeah. I was having a conversation with a friend. We were talking about all the AI. We were actually specifically talking about AI and music, mm. right? Um, and I was hearing some electronic songs or like ambient sort of tracks, which were AI generated. And I remember explicitly saying that rap would be one of the hardest genres to AI 
away, right? Because the rappers have our, our voice and our cadence and our rhythm and our way of rhyming. And it's so unique, right? The way Jay-Z raps, the way 50 Cent raps, the way Snoop Dogg raps, the way any rapper, like you have, like it's, a, it's an ID yeah. that can't just be replicated. Yeah. And then this week, yeah. <laughs> you got songs with Kanye West yeah. and Jay-Z. It sounds exactly like them. And it's just, and, and keep in mind, this is like, this is the primitive version. This yeah. is the primitive version. This is not the advanced version of it. It's like, oh boy, yeah. okay, what are we, what are we doing? This is a huge Pandora's box. And um, I, I, I would, I tweeted the other day that human beings are the only species, both intelligent and stupid enough to engineer our own destruction, right? Yep. And I think that's so true. Whether you're talking hyper-advanced AI and this mindless rush to push it all, whether you're talking about you know nuclear, we, we already have enough nuclear bombs in the world to obliterate every single human being on this planet. Um, we have so many technologies with indirect or direct destructive capacity. And I think it's remarkable. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a species that has made itself extinct. Right? I think it's all been like factors against their control. Yep. And I'm like, human beings are the only ones we're smart enough and stupid enough that we could literally go extinct before our before we're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> because we just have a nuclear war or because we like you know lack don't breed or like don't even propagate our own species by breeding enough. Yeah. Or we bring in some it's AI robotics. Oh, it's a massive problem. That's a whole podcast. <laughs> um, we bring in all this robotics and AI that completely supplants people to the point that there's no need for humans. There's no need for families. There's no need for uh, any type of labor or anything. And everyone, you know, you've, have, you, have you seen Wally where everyone's yep. just in the seats yeah. and they're just these sort of fat blobs yep. like flying around? That's it's it's concerning and you know through all this you know and I say all this I say all this as someone who is ultimately bullish on humanity right and who and who's an optimist yeah, so you're I'm, positive I'm, you're I'm positive yeah. yeah but but I think in being positive um you know you have to you have to sound alarms you have to be critical yeah you have to be critical and you and you have to sound alarms and you have to sometimes at least do your best to try to like pause and say, hey, wait, guys, like, wait, wait, wait. Like, have you, have you considered this, right? Like if you're, you know, if a plane is going to take off, yeah, like they do a lot of checks, mm. right? You don't just, oh, everyone all aboard, let's go. Yep. It's like, wait, 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 hold up, hold up. If someone said, if you take the wheel, if you take the wings, if you open the windows, yeah. make sure there's like, let's check the weather. Yeah. Like every single check that you can do, you know, be very, very careful and meticulous. And it's like, okay, cool. Now we can go and we know, also we know our destination. Yep. We're not going to overshoot it. We're not going to like, you know, we're trying to fly to New York and we just, you know, end up in the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, it's, it's very specific and it's targeted and the goal is clear. Our aim is to get from A to B and then we don't overshoot. We get everyone off. But I think socially, culturally, technologically, we're in this sort of blind rush of just go go yeah. like progress right i mean if you have a car if you have a car um is it better to accelerate or brake brake well i would say it depends right <laughs> well, well hopefully the, not to yeah break, yeah break yeah, breaking is uh, that's not it's not a bad answer but my point <laughs> is that you you need both right there's a yeah. car needs an accelerator a brake a reverse gear a steering wheel because just moving like rushing in a direction yeah 
any direction is not progress is yeah. not is not inherently good yeah. is not inherently positive it's like well we think that though sometimes we that's think what i mean it's just evolving it's change yeah it's change it's yeah. progress and yeah. i'm like well not all change is progress yeah right you we can might go, have regressed quite a bit you can regress you can go backwards and when you look at so many statistics mm -hmm. again coming back to talking about the the usa or to talk about western europe um over the last 20 years over the last 30 years if you look at obesity rates up, up, like just constant trajectory. If you look at drug overdose rates, it's mm. gone up, I think, fivefold in the last 20 or 25 years. If you look at depression rates, look at self-harm rates, especially amongst young people, you look at the rate, like things, there's disturbing trends upwards and downwards in things where it's like, okay, we don't just need a break, we need a reversal in this. Yeah. Like if this, if this is not reversed, so if obesity keeps trending in the way it is, we will reach a stage in say about a century where everybody is obese. If it keeps going as it is, you'll reach a stage where everybody, maybe you'll have like 3% holdouts. They'll probably give them some type of name, right? They'll, they'll give them some name to marginalize them, right? Just, <laughs> right? They'll give them some name. But like, th that's where the USA will end up on its current path. Yeah. You'll end up at a stage where, you know, you've gone from 5% to 10% to 25%. Now it's at about 40%. Yeah. Right. If you let it give it a go, 45, 50. So like you'll get to a stage where it's like, okay, like everyone is now obese or you get to a stage where, okay, virtually everyone is now uh, depressed. Life expectancy in the UK has, is, is now going down. Yeah, like in the the report just it's came out the other day on the uh, the U.S. It's at seventy six. Yeah, it was seventy eight before. Yeah, that's never like yeah. that, that's two years in a row. That's never happened before. Yeah. Right, like we we're always like we're gonna live to hundred. You remember growing up? Yeah, like, we're all gonna live to hundred eventually when we get older. And now we're like, wait, what's happening? Yeah, it's it, going it's down. It's going down. Yeah, it's so stuff like that is is you know it's it's concerning and it's not wise to. I don't think the the right answer is to you know get get black pilled and become yeah. a doomer and all of this you know, embrace the decline. It's all over. The yeah. Klaus Schwab and the WF are gonna win. We're gonna owe nothing and we're gonna be happy and like the, the no right. Yeah. That's not that's not the mindset. But the I don't think the right mindset also is just like stick your head in the sand and act like none of it is happening. Because there's people who also take that approach and they're just like, oh, like it's not. And I'm like, well, I mean, you can you can ignore it, but at some point it's going to come and slap you in the face, right? Or it's going to slap your children in the face, or it's going to, you know, at some point the rubber's going to meet the road, yeah. and this thing that you don't think affects you, it will. Yeah. You know, it might not yet, but it it will. Give it time. Let it go. Let it grow. Let it fester, mm. and you'll see how it becomes a problem. You know. So, I guess. Taking it back to the positive, to the end of to the end of the podcast now. But a few more questions. One is, you know, for people like me, I would say I don't really love that people classify themselves as like, you know, I'm I'm a pessimist, I'm an mm. optimist, I'm a realist. But if I had to pick, I would say like I'm a realist. But a lot of this stuff going on right now yeah. really, it makes me a little pessimistic, honestly. Sure. And it's hard to find. Okay, these are the problems. It's easy to point at the problems and be like. This is wrong. This is wrong. Mm. This is wrong. What do you feel like? And there's not obviously a solution for anything, but where do people find hope? Like, where should be people be going to find this purpose if everything's getting pulled from them left and right? Their identity, yeah. their jobs, their money, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. How does someone, how does one, or how do you find that? Yeah. Well, as a religious man, I'm going to have to say God. Mm hmm. 
Um, that's that's really the the core foundation. And I know some people will not like that answer, mm. but the fact that some people don't like that answer probably means it's even more important that I have to I have to say it. But on top of that, I would say that you know we need to go back to the foundations, the foundations that allowed a country like the USA or the UK or the, like the, the foundational principles that allowed for such prosperity and for so much excedence, excess and therefore decadence over time, we need to go back to the principles that founded that. We need to go back to family. Mm. We need to go back to, um, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. We need to go back to uh, freedom of speech. You know, I may disagree with you, but I, you know, support your right to say what you want to say. We need to go back to core ethics and morality. We need to go back to selflessness and charity, not just in terms of giving, but in terms of being charitable towards other people and their opinions and our interpretations of those things. We need to go back to kindness. We need to go back to having a concept of honor and duty. We need to go back to personal responsibility, right? I never hear the terms honor and duty anymore. These have been sure, these have been bled out of Western culture. Yeah. Right? If you're in Japan, you'll hear about honor and duty. If you're in the Middle East, you'll hear about honor and duty. If you're in many parts of Africa, you'll hear about honor and duty. But in the West, it's just it's just narcissism. It's me, 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 what makes me happy, what makes me in the moment like me, me, me. I have a right to do this. I have, rights are incredibly important. I'm a big, big liberty guy, right? <laughs> rights are important, but every right comes with a liberty. Mm-hmm. Sorry, every right comes with a responsibility. And there are also there are also duties and there are codes, right? Again, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should, right? What if that thing is dishonorable, right? What if there's something you don't like always like want to do or feel like doing or doesn't always make you happy, but you have a duty, right? If you are a, you know, if you are, if you are a parent and you have children, right? I'm not there yet. We'll be right. But you have a duty to your children, right? I'm sure there's Billions of parents around the world who like so you know what sometimes they don't want to go to work, right? They wake up in the morning and they're tired, maybe because of their kids, and they don't. But you know what? You go to work because it's your duty. It's not oh well, I have a right not to go to work. Yeah, I have a right. Like screw your right, bro. Like no, no right? Like you, you have a duty. The duty supersedes your personal feelings in that moment. You see what I mean? So I think that everybody, and you know, I th- and I think this is why these the real solutions are difficult because they do fall on personal responsibility. There's not some magic policy that some politician can create that suddenly, you know, returns everything to this, right? Each individual just needs to say, hey, you know what, I need, I'm going to, I'm going to step up in my own way and I'm going to do my best to behave better, treat people better, work harder, learn more, um, obtain more skills, act more virtually. See, whatever it is, if each individual does that, then, you know, like for, for example, you know, what's the solution to the obesity crisis? I don't believe it's a policy. Mm. You and I have access to the exact same food as everybody else, yeah. the same gyms and the same outdoors if we want to go for a while. We all, we all have kind of access to the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's your personal choice, mm-hmm. right? If I choose to eat like a pig and I become blow, balloon up to 400 pounds, yeah. that's me. I can't just blame the food company. I can't yeah. just blame the advertising companies. I, well, people can and do, but it's like, it's a cop-out. It, yeah. It's weak, right? 
yes, they should stop putting garbage in the food. We need to yeah. bring down the seed oils and not put high fructose corn syrup and so much stuff and this and this. Like there's things that can be done for betterment, but ultimately people make choices. People make their choices, right? And so I think we need to create incentives and an overall culture and environment that makes, do you know what we need to do? Here's what we need to do. Here's the, here's the solution, Aubrey. We need to make, we need to make virtue and goodness and personal responsibility and achievement and honor and duty, we need to make them cool again. We need to have a society and a culture where the things that are considered cool are the things that are actually positive and wholesome and good for individuals and good for the collective and good for the nation and good for that's that's really what we need. I think at the moment a lot of stuff that's trendy or like culturally cool or whatever, ultimately it's destructive. Yeah. It's self-destructive, it's bad for individuals, it's it's bad for the collective as a whole. And so people are being doing all these things. Young people are always gonna do whatever's considered cool. Mm. Right? Yeah. That's the truth. The young people well, young people do it. To back to what you were saying, yeah. the reward system, right? Mm -hmm. The reward system would have to align with that yes. to ever work out. Yes, and it used to. That yeah. was my point. That was my point, it used to, right? Before, if you were a man, again, if you were a man, it's like, hey, go this way, and you, go this way and you'll, go this way and you'll be rewarded for it. If you create a society and a culture where actually being like a bad dude, right? Like, like that's more rewarded yeah. than being like Richard, then you're gonna get more guys going, ah, actually, that's the way to go. Yeah. Because, hey, those are the guys that girls are dating, or those are the guys who are earning money, or those are the guys who are doing this or this. And um, man, it's, I, I'm one man. I don't have the uh, ultimate solution for, you know, everything. But I believe that, you know, a core part of my role in this world is to do my best to nudge people. There's a lot of forces nudging people in what I consider to be a bad and destructive direction. So I simply do my best to nudge people in the other way. For every voice that's out there being a doomer or being pessimistic or teaching garbage or lying, you know, not telling the truth, we need more people who are telling the truth and being honorable and promoting virtue and all that. You have to tell a better story. You have to give better options. And, you know, where you can, you have to actually give people the tools to you know, give yeah. people the tools to help themselves because ultimately you can't directly, you know, lift up other people up. Mm -hmm. you, you, can't, you can't do the work for other people, but you can give people the tools, the knowledge, the encouragement. That's very important. Yeah. The inspiration, the motivation. People, people really need encouragement. That's something that's very much lacking. Mm. Um, both men and women, people need, people need encouragement. Mm. You know, people who are doing a good job they need to be told, hey, you're doing a good job. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Keep it going. And some people don't get a lot of encouragement, sadly. Mm. You know, um, yeah. I'm blessed to all my life growing up from my parents, from my siblings, from my teachers. I've had a lot of encouragement. Yeah. I, I think I owe some of my success to the fact that people told me, hey, man, like you can, you can do this. Like you've got greatness within you. Hey, good job. Like you're doing well because that keeps you going that way. So we need to encourage people. So, yeah, shout out to all the people. I'll, I'll tell you who. Shout out to all the, the, the fathers and the mothers, all the parents who are like raising good children and doing their best to actually, because it's such a, it's, it is, it is kind of thankless, mm, right? Is. There's not a, we have all these silly days celebrating nonsense. Yeah. Where's the day that's just like 
big up to the parents. Yes, we get one Mother's Day, we get one Father's Day, <laughs> you know, but like, we, we need some day. We need, why isn't there a month yeah. of just like celebrating parents, Great celebrating parents. family, yeah. just like, good job, yeah. right? Like, thank you. Do you think you so? Yeah, thank yeah, you. thank you. Yeah, I do. I say this with my parents often because it becomes more obvious the older I get, yeah. like how good a job they did. Oh, yeah. So I often tell my friends, just like, thank you, guys. Like, thank you for the it's opportunities. Winning the lottery. It's winning the lottery, in my opinion. Yeah, like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So People much. want to talk about privilege. Like, that's the real privilege. No, that's the, every time I'm like, I was born in the United States. My parents are still married. I had good parents. Like I had a really happy family. Mm -hmm. I don't really complain about much. Yeah. There's not really much for me to complain about. I'm more trying to spread and talk about other things that are affecting people from achieving a life like mm -hmm. that. You mm -hmm. know, now yeah. in my life. And, and and that needs to be encouraged. You know. Uh, one more thing I think that's really important is you know society does need standards. Mm -hmm. um, I think that either out of resentment or out of misplaced compassion. I think a lot of people um, kind of have this idea that just because a standard is difficult or because some people may fall short of it, that means that either the standard is wrong or does not exist. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Okay, yeah. So what you just described to your parents, with your parents, mm -hmm. right? They've been married for... 30, decades, yeah. 31 years, fantastic. My parents have been together 46 years, yeah. still together, great family, you know, myself, they, they've raised five children, got 10 grandchildren, <laughs> you know. This should be the standard. Yeah. This should be the aspiration. Yeah. Just because that is maybe difficult to achieve, or some people may fall short of it for various reasons, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that we abolish the standard. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, we're not lowering the bar. Yeah, you don't then say, oh, well, because that's hard to do, so let's just like blow up. You wouldn't up do sand. that in the Olympics. You'd be like, well, yeah. So <laughs> we're actually going to make this easier for everybody. Let's just take it down a notch. Yeah. We're not jumping this high. Yeah, there's, 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 yeah. there's no more. So it's yeah. important to maintain those aspirational standards that people can aspire yeah. towards. And it doesn't mean that you're cruel or supremely inflexible towards people who don't yeah. reach this ideal, right? Same with health and fitness. Yeah. It's hard to be in shape. Yeah. Right? It's hard to be physically fit and maintain a healthy body. It, it takes effort. But the fact that it takes effort and it's difficult, and actually in this modern time, most people are not at that standard, that doesn't mean that you obliterate the standard. That doesn't mean that suddenly, oh, you can be healthy at any size, or let's fat acceptance, body positivity, like actually you can just be morbidly obese, and that's just as good yeah. as being No, it's not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. This doesn't mean, oh, so you're saying you should be mean, you should say you should bully people for being fat. No, I'm not saying yeah. that. Be kind to everybody. Yeah. But also, if you actually are genuinely kind and loving, you should want people to fulfill their potential and to be the best that they can be. And also not lie to them that they're, at, them a, exactly. they're at a health risk. Yes. You know, if, if they are at a health risk, you know, if they're not, then okay. But sure. you know, if, if, if they're not actually healthy, mm -hmm. it's awful to tell someone that they are. Yeah, you know, it's cruel. It's not kind, it's, it's cruel. Just, God, I, I, I just admire so much of your bravery because every time I see your tweets, I'm like, thank God there's at least one voice, right? Oh, thank you. Just pointing things out, just shedding like communicating and communicating very succinctly and very clearly so that, you know, you're not trying to use jargon, you're not trying to confuse anybody, you're not trying to mislead anybody. And honestly, I love that you, you you're very, um, 
I would say that you kind of like go back on both sides of things mm. too. You're pretty, you're pretty impartial on, on, uh, on things. Obviously you have your opinions, but sure. everyone does. And um, I just, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And I'm, I would love for people to obviously follow your podcast as yeah. well. And uh, do you want to plug, plug yeah, it? Yeah, sure thing. Well, thank you, Aubrey. I appreciate it. <laughs> we had a great conversation. Uh, my podcast is Real Talk with Zuby. Yep. So that's available on YouTube or all the usual platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Um, you can find me on all social media at Zuby Music. That is Z-U-B-Y Music. I'm on Twitter, heavy on there. Instagram, <laughs> YouTube, Facebook, at yes. Zuby Music. Follow this man on Twitter. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Zuby. Thanks, Aubrey. You don't own-